Now we are living in a, in a great time in history in the world and also in the history of the church. When you look at the world, there's just amazing things happening. Things are developing so fast. There's innovation, there's new technology, there's there are new ideas, just amazing things happening. You know, maybe a decade or so ago, if you wanted to make a phone call, you'd have to use that little machine go you know, and then hope to get a call through. If you wanted to make an outstation call, you'll have to call the telephone exchange, book an STD call, then they will dial for you and you connect. And then and if you want to make an international call, forget it. You know, like, but time has changed. Now, every person has a mobile phone. You know, you walk down the street, uh, you'll find even a little shopkeeper has his own mobile phone. He's calling and, and just times have changed so much. Technology has brought in so many changes in our lives and, and advances in, in what, we have, what we're seeing happening. You know, people come up with a creative idea in some part of the world and it's just in a matter of years they, that idea can affect the entire world, transform uh, the lifestyle, the living conditions of people all over the world. So we're living in amazing times. We, we see trendsetters. We see people who are barrier breakers, uh, people who are trailblazers, movers and shakers, coming out from uh, different parts of the world and, 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 and just impacting the world globally. Now, very similarly, the church is also experiencing amazing things, the body of Christ. God is doing wonderful things in his church, in the body of Christ. And we're seeing amazing things, young men, young women, men and women of all ages rising up and, and, and doing things we never thought would be possible. Uh, you know, people coming up and, and starting ministries that are affecting thousands of people in such a short time. Churches coming forth so powerfully uh, across nations, areas and regions that we once thought uh, would never be reached or impossible to reach, now being penetrated with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amazing things. We're seeing men and women beginning to rise up in spheres of influence the church thought we should never get into. But today, in those very spheres of arts and entertainment, of media, of government, of education, uh, of business and science and technology. In all of these areas, we're seeing men and women of God rise up. We're seeing prophets. We're seeing apostles. We're seeing uh, anointed men and women of God, not necessarily only inside the church, but we're seeing them rise up out in the world, in the marketplaces of our day. And they're beginning to change culture. They're beginning to transform societies. They're beginning to bring change. That's amazing to see what God is doing. There are two common characteristics. When you look at the lives of these people, trailblazers, trendsetters, movers and shakers in our day, there are two common characteristics that we find in their lives. And, and that's what I want to highlight this morning and challenge you and me with. First of all, we see that men and women, regardless of their age, regardless of their background, regardless of uh, where, where they've come from, sometimes very simple, ordinary people, men and women who are movers and shakers, who are trailblazers, who are barrier breakers, who are trendsetters in their generation, in their time, we see, number one, that they are always hungry for more. 
they are always hungry for more. It's almost like they are gripped with a holy discontent. They're never satisfied. Now I'm talking about people in the church. I'm talking about people who are trailblazers and movers and shakers for the kingdom of God. You will find that these people are always hungry for more. They're never happy in a good sense with where we are as a people or as a church. They're never satisfied with how much of God we have experienced. They're always hungry for more. They're gripped with a sense of holy discontent. The second common characteristic that you'll find among kingdom movers and shakers is that they are foolish enough to attempt the impossible. There's a little bit of insanity that's in them, in a good sense. They are foolish enough to step out and do things other people would say is too risky. It doesn't make sense or even consider impossible. But these men and women who are making a difference for the kingdom of God today, they are first of all always hungry for more and they are foolish enough to attempt the impossible. And this morning I want to challenge you and me to always stay hungry and stay foolish. Amen? Stay hungry and stay foolish. Let's talk about the hunger part. Stay hungry for more. Always stay hungry for more. For more of God and for more of the power of God in our lives. You know, we will never break barriers by accepting the status quo. Okay, this is the way church has been, this is the way ministry has always been, and that's the way it's always going to be. We will never break barriers by just accepting things the way they are. We will never gain new ground by choosing comforts. We will never blaze new trails if we do not stretch beyond limits. And we will never be trendsetters if all we want to do is to please people. Because trendsetters always choose what is uncommon. We must learn to stay hungry for more. Stay hungry for more of God. It's like what the psalmist said in Psalm 42 verses 1 and 2. And many of the scriptures I'm going to quote this morning are very familiar verses. But just to strength, stir us up this morning. In Psalm 42 verses 1 and 2 the psalmist said, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Saying, as the deer is crying out, is searching, longing, thirsting for water. Saying, even so, my soul, my soul thirsts for God. My heart cries out for God. When can I get into the presence? Of God. Stay hungry for more of God. The more you experience God, the more you will be hungry for Him. And the more you know Him, the more He empowers you to do great exploits. Amen? The more you know Him, the more He empowers you to do great exploits. So these people who are doing great exploits, they're always hungry for more of God. So want more of God. 
Just want more of God. Always hungry. And in the process, what's happening? They are being empowered by God to do great exploits. It's like what the Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 11 verse 32. The people who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. The people who know their God, they'll be strong and they will do great exploits. So we got to stay in a constant state of hunger for God so that we will know him more and then we'll be able to do great exploits. And stay hungry. You know, how can you know if you're hungry for God? It's very simple. Are you hungry for his word? Are you waiting to go back to that word? Are you hungry to get into prayer? Man, I can't wait to get back into my closet just to be alone with God. Are you hungry for his presence? Are you hungry to worship him? You may have just spent 45 minutes and you're saying, man, today the worship leader went 10 minutes extra. <laughs> Is that the way you consider worshiping God? Are you like, man, I wish he would go 10 more minutes. He's stopping too early. It's a sign of your hunger. Are you really hungry for God? So, man, pastor's preaching so long. His sermons are so long. Or if you're really hungry, man, I wish you would go on for another hour. It's a sign if you're hungry for God or not. Prayer time. Ah, it's too long. But if you're hungry for God, you say, I wish we could pray for another hour together. This is so good. It's a sign. The true barometer for your hunger for God is how much how eager you are for more of his word, for more of being in prayer in his presence, for more of being in his presence in worship. That's a barometer. That's the true indicator of how, how hungry you and I are for God. Stay hungry for more of God. Stay hungry for more of his power. Say, God, I want more, 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 more of your power to flow through my life, to touch other lives and make a difference. Look at what the psalmist said in Psalm 63, verses 1 and 2. In Psalm 63, 1 and 2, the psalmist says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your Glory. So the psalmist is longing. He's saying, God, I'm thirsting for you. My soul, my mind, my emotions, even my feelings are engaged in this. My even, I want to, I'm thirsty for you. My flesh is longing for you. God, I want to see you. I want to see your power and your glory. I'm looking for you, God. He's longing to see the power of God, see the glory of God manifested. So stay hungry. For more of his power. You know, there is so much more of the power of God available. That we need to hunger for more of God's power. More of his anointing and flowing through our lives. Just hunger for more. A great example of spiritual hunger is the man Moses. If you turn with me in your Bible. It's the 33rd chapter of the book of Exodus. By this time in his life, in Exodus 33, Moses has seen it all. From the burning bush... To seeing God do all the amazing things in Egypt. 
to seeing God part the Red Sea and bring a nation of what some people say, three million people out of Egypt, cross the Red Sea. Of seeing God in the, in the cloud of glory, in the pillar of fire. Of spending time hearing the voice of God on Mount Sinai. Seeing the finger of God right upon those tablets of stone. And he's experienced everything that, sh- that could ever be possibly for a man to experience in an encounter with God. He's had it all. And right now at this point, he's just praying for the people of Israel because God said, I want to, give, I want to let these people go. They are stiff-necked people, rebellious people. I don't want to go with them. And so he intercedes for them. He says, God, you must go with these people. Don't abandon them. And so God agrees. He agrees to go on with them. And so let's pick up there in Exodus 33. We'll pick up in verse 13. Moses prays, now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you, that I may find grace in your sight and consider this, that this nation is your people. He's praying to God for the people. And God responds, he says in verse 14, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to God, he said, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Wow, just think about that. He's negotiating with God. He's praying to the Lord for the people of Israel. He's saying, God, you cannot leave us. You've got to go with us. That's the way the nations of the world will know that we are your people. And God responds and says, I will do this because I know you. I know your name. I mean, you're my friends. You're making this request. I'll do it for my people. Now, Moses could have retired at this point. This was like the best point to retire. He says, Shalom, I've done my work. I've brought the people here. I've even interceded for them. I've signed the contract, this deal with God, that God will not abandon them. Okay, guys, you're on your own now. I'm retiring. You could have done that. But that's not what he did. Look at what he does in the next verse, in Exodus 33 and verse 18. So once he's finished praying for the people, he says in verse 18, and he said, Moses saying to God, please show me Your glory. Wait a minute, Moses. You're the one who saw God in the burning bush. If it was a Christian in the modern day, he's seen God one time in a burning bush, that's it. He'd written a book. He'd have made a video documentary of it. (laughs) He'd have created his own website, (laughs) theburningbush.com. He'd have put his... A reenactment of the whole experience on YouTube and looking at how many hits he's got. He'll be on Facebook seeing how many followers he has. One burning bush experience. That's enough. That's what the modern day Christian would have done. Not with Moses. He's had a burning bush experience. He's seen God do all the wonders in Egypt. He's seen God part the Red Sea. I mean, he spent 40 days in the presence of God twice just engaging with God. I mean, he's had everything. And what's his request? Show me your glory. Say, God, there is still more of you 
that I haven't seen, that I haven't tasted of, show me. He didn't know how else to verbalize it. He just made the simple prayer, show me your glory. So Moses, haven't you seen the cloud coming up? Have you seen the fire that took you through the night? I mean, the entire mountain was on fire. Just be, and you were alone with God, Moses. And you're still praying the prayer. Show me your... Was he hungry for God? He was hungry for more of God. He hadn't reached that stage where he could say, You know, I had it all, God. Thank you so much. Now he was hungry. Show me your glory. God, I know... There is more to you than all that I've experienced up till now. Show me more. Show me more. Show me your glory, Lord. You and I must learn to stay hungry for more of God, for more of his power, for more of his glory, saying, God, show me more. Reveal more of yourself to me. Reveal more of your power in me through my life. But you know, there are so many hunger killers that we are so exposed to. Spiritual laziness is a hunger killer. You're just lazy spiritually. Don't want to make the effort to seek God. And so that laziness is just, just kills us and robs us of that hunger for God. Worldliness and sin, being entrapped by the things of this world, being more entertained by the things of this world, robs us of spiritual hunger. Dead intellectualism. There's nothing wrong with, them, with our mind. God gave it to us, but sometimes we get... It's just dead intellectualism that robs us of our hunger for God. Sometimes it is a dependence on our natural talent. And it can happen in church. You know, you've got everything set. People doing everything, all arranged. Everything in place. Everything happens on its own. The system is working. So you say, God, thank you. We don't need you now. Everything's happening. And so what happens? Our dependence on our natural talents, our natural abilities excludes hunger for God. And that's such a dangerous thing. So we need to guard ourselves against these hunger killers. Make sure we always stay hungry for more of God, more of His presence. How can we keep our hunger for God? How can we maintain that? How can we make sure that we always stay hungry for more of God? Here are some things you and I can do. You know, stay around hungry people. They'll make you more hungry because spiritual hunger is contagious. Imagine you go meet a guy and say, hey, what are you doing this afternoon? I'm going to go and pray. What? I'm going to go pray. And you need to stay around such kind of people. Why? Because their lives will challenge you. At least it'll make you feel bad that you'll go and pray with them. <laughs> Stay around such people who are hungry for God. They will motivate you. They'll pull you out of lethargy and want to make you seek God more. You want to stay hungry for God? Feed your spirit. In the natural world, the natural world and the spiritual world are quite different. In the natural world, you eat a nice lunch, you're ready to hibernate. But not so in the spiritual world. In the spiritual world, when you eat of the Lord, when you taste of the Lord, you want to taste more. You're full, but you're still hungry for more. The more you taste of Him, the more hungry you become for Him. 
So feed yourself with the solid things of the Spirit, of the Word of God, of the, of the working of the Spirit of God. Read about what God has done in history. Read about the men and the women of God who have been trendsetters, trailblazers, and, and uh, movers and shakers in their day. Read about their lives. Because that will inspire you and me today in our generation to become hungry for God like they were hungry for God. Tie your passion with a higher purpose. It's not enough to be passionate about something. You need to tie your passion with a higher purpose because that purpose will propel you. Passion energizes you, but you need something that will stir you up. And that's the sense of purpose, that you're living for a higher purpose. You need to channel your energy. Your higher purpose channels your energy. Live for the king purposes of God's kingdom. Tie your passion in to a higher purpose. Ask God to make you more hungry. Say, God, make me more hungry for you. Fill me with a holy discontent for more of your word, for prayer, for your presence, for worshiping God. Ask God to make you more hungry. I want to read you uh, some excerpts from a sermon by John G. Lake. Now, John G. Lake was a mighty man of God used in his time. And uh, I just want to read you a couple of excerpts from his sermon. Uh, he talks about, at this point that I'm just reading to you, he had just come to experience, he had just come into the healing ministry, and this is what he writes. He says, Then the healing ministry was opened to me, and I ministered for 10 years in the power of God. Hundreds and hundreds of people were healed by the power of God during these, this 10 years. And I could feel the conscious flow of the Holy Spirit through my soul and my hands. Listen to what he says. But at the end of that 10 years, I believe I was the hungriest man for God that ever lived. There was such a hunger for God that as I left my offices in Chicago and walked down the street... My soul would break out and I would cry, oh God. I have had people stop and look at me and wonder. It was a yearning passion of my soul, asking for God in a greater measure than I knew. Ten years after seeing hundreds of thousands of people healed, he said, I was just hungry for more of God. I continue that sermon. I was reading another excerpt from that same sermon. He, he moved over to South Africa in 1908. It says here, In 1908, I preached at Pretoria, South Africa, when one night God came over my life in such power, in such streams of liquid glory and power, that it flowed consciously off my hands like streams of electricity. I could point my finger at a man and that stream would strike him. When a man interrupted the meeting, I pointed my finger at him and, he, and said, sit down. He fell as if struck and lay for three hours. When he became normal, they asked him, what happened? And he said, something struck me that went straight through me. I thought I was shot. At two o'clock in the morning, I ministered to 65 sick who were present and the streams of God that were pouring through my hands were so powerful that people would fall as though they were hit. I was troubled when they fell with such violence. And the Spirit said, you do not need to put your hands on them. Keep your hands a distance away. 
And when I held my hands afoot from their heads, they would crumple and fall in a heap on the floor. They were healed, almost everyone. Now listen carefully to what he says. That was the outward manifestation. That was what the people saw. But beloved, something transpired in my heart that made my soul like the soul of Jesus Christ. There was a tenderness, a newborn tenderness of God that was so wonderful that my heart reached out and cried and wept over men in sin. I would gather them in my arms and love them and Jesus Christ flowed out of me and delivered them. He continues, In 18 months, God raised up 100 churches in the land. Those 100 churches were born in my tabernacle in the church where he was ministering at Johannesburg. The multitude of those who composed these 100 churches were healed or baptized in the Holy Ghost under my own eyes as I preached or prayed. I continued in the ministry of healing until I saw hundreds of thousands healed. And listen to this. All the time, my heart kept saying, Oh God, let me know you better. I want you. My heart wants you too. There was a cry in my soul for a greater consciousness of God, a yearning for Christ's own life and love. Was this man a hungry man? I think he was. Even after seeing hundreds of churches raised out of his ministry and, and hundreds of thousands of people healed, there was only one thing in his heart. God, I want more of you. He was a hungry man. If we want to be those trailblazers, if we want to be those barrier breakers, if we want to be those trendsetters, if we want to be those movers and shakers in the kingdom of God, we must learn to stay hungry for more of God's. Amen? The other characteristic that we see in the lives of these people, these men and women, is that they are foolish. Foolish enough to attempt the impossible. In the way God works in the kingdom of God, it is men and women who are foolish enough to see the invisible who end up doing the impossible. They see the invisible. And then they're able to do the impossible. Amen? So the question is, what do you see? When you look around the city of Bangalore, what do you see? Oh man, this city is so polluted. It's so miserable. Or do you see potential to reach hundreds of thousands of people for the kingdom of God? Do you see churches that are raised up, that are powerful of the spirit of God? When you look at the body of Christ in the city of Bangalore, what do you see? Do you see a body that is torn and divided and weak and miserable? Or do you see a giant rising, anointed by the power of God? Do you see an army of believers equipped by the power of God moving into every sphere of society and bringing about change? What do you see? In the kingdom of God, those who can see the invisible are the ones who end up doing the impossible. Amen. Abraham was called by God. He saw the invisible. He had no children. But he saw himself the father of a great nation. He left everything. 
But he saw a country, a nation, a city whose builder and maker was God. He saw the invisible and he did the impossible. He became the father of a great nation and he possessed a land. Who possessed a land that God promised them. Caleb was 80 years old. Ready for retirement. Waiting for his pension. I must have been living off his pension. <laughs> By the age of 80, he goes up and he says, Give me my mountain. Give me this mountain that God promised me 40 years back. Give me my mountain. I'm not giving up on my dream. Give me this mountain. The mountain was full of giants. But he saw the invisible. He saw a mountain that was already conquered. Where he and his descendants would inhabit. He saw the invisible. And he ended up doing the impossible at the age of 80. David saw a giant that everybody said was impossible to kill. All the well-trained soldiers were sitting around and saying, man, this giant is too big. You can't kill him. David saw the same giant and you know what he said? This giant is too big. You can't miss him. Right? And so he went out. He saw the invisible and he did the impossible in his day. What do you say? In the kingdom of God, it's men and women who are foolish enough to see the invisible who end up doing the impossible. Can you see? Are you foolish enough to see the invisible? What is yet unseen? What is yet not available or visible to the naked eye? Are you foolish enough to see the invisible? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego stood up in their day and their time against a political superpower that had never bowed its knee to anybody else. And they dared to confront just three, four ordinary Hebrew boys confronting the superpower of their day. They said, we will not bow our knees. You have to bow. And Nebuchadnezzar said, the man who would never bow his knee to anybody, he bowed his knee to the God of the Hebrews. He said, there is no God like their God. They saw the invisible. They were foolish enough to see the invisible and they achieved the impossible. It seems foolishness to fill water pots with water and expect to draw wine. But that's exactly what God did. It seems foolish to take five loaves and two fishes and think that you can feed 5,000 or more people. But that's what God did. God's looking for foolish people. People are foolish enough to see what is yet invisible. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 brings us out so clearly for us. And you're familiar with this passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? 1 Corinthians 1 verse 20. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. The world through wisdom, through its own natural capacity to understand, can never experience God. So in order to experience God, I must be willing to step out of my capacity to understand. I must be willing to step out on what the world calls wisdom 
If I want to experience God, I've got to be foolish. Verse 25, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. The base things of the world and the things which are despised of God, despised God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. How does God work? He looks for foolish people and he uses them to display his glory. He looks for people who are weak enough to say, God, I'm going to attempt something that in my best, in the best of my strength, I'm still weak before that which I'm attempting. He looks for that, those kinds of people. And he takes them and through them he manifests his glory so that it is known to everyone that it is the Lord's doing, not the work of man. Amen. God is looking for such people. The natural man cannot understand the things of God. So it requires us to be foolish in one sense. To be men and women who can make a difference for the kingdom of God. You know, God's given us a mind and we must use it. But we cannot confine God to our minds. Because God's infinitely greater than our minds. So this morning I want to challenge you and me to have faith and courage to try what is still yet untried. To walk the path that is still untrod. To attempt what people call impossible. To have the courage to pursue the unattainable. Believe in the God who called you. Don't fight, don't resist what you do not understand. It's a big mistake we make. God is too big for us to put our intellectual minds around him. As long as it glorifies God, as long as it fulfills the will of God, embrace it, even when you don't understand it. Let the heart lead and then the mind will follow. Impossible is somebody's opinion. Don't live by people's opinion. The kind of foolishness that we are talking about is not presumption. Presumption is an assumption. And it always leads to destruction. But the foolishness we're talking about is the faith and courage that we have in God because we have heard from Him. That's the foolishness we're talking about. God has spoken. You've heard from God. All He's asking you is to have enough faith and courage to step out on it, to reach for what's invisible, to attempt what's impossible. You will be a mover and a shaker, a trailblazer, a barrier breaker, a trendsetter for the kingdom of God. Steve Jobs, and this is not a memorial service, but it's perhaps an icon of our time, the generation we live in. He had an amazing journey. Dropped out of college. Co-founded Apple, which within 10 years became a $2 billion company. And has since then revolutionized the world. He's well known for his commencement address at Stanford University in 2005. And the statement which he quoted actually from a, a magazine called Whole Earth Catalog. 
The last issue of that magazine released in 1970 carried this statement at the back cover and Steve Jobs quoted that and he's well known for that. In his advice to, these graduating, to this graduating class, he said, stay hungry, stay foolish. And he knew what he was talking about in his sphere of influence. He was an innovator, a creative genius. He was a trailblazer, a barrier breaker, a trendsetter in his own rights. And he said, stay hungry, stay foolish. And I believe that translates so well into the kingdom of God. For you and I to be men and women who will be trailblazers, who will be barrier breakers, who will be trendsetters, who will be movers and shakers for God's kingdom. We must stay hungry, stay foolish. Amen? Stay hungry for more of God. Stay hungry for more of his presence, for more of his power. We haven't tasted all of them. We haven't, we hardly tasted much of them. There's so much more. Stay hungry. Keep seeking God. Keep pressing in. You thank God. You may have attended the best meetings. You may have sat under the most anointed men and women of God. You may have seen the greatest miracles, but there's always more. Stay hungry. And stay foolish. Foolish enough to step out and do things that God speaks to you to do. People say it's impossible, but not for you when you've heard from God. Amen? We have a vision. And in this city of more than 8 million, maybe 10, 11 to 11 million, I don't know how many million are here in this city, is always growing. That in this city, we will raise up at least five churches, at least five congregations. And we want to see each congregation grow to be more than 50,000 people. So that in any given weekend, we'll be ministering to at least 250,000 people. Say, Pastor, that's a bit too much. But 250,000 compared to 8 million is nothing. Absolutely nothing. Amen? We can do it. We want to see our city affected with the word of God, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with the power of God. We want to see the gospel penetrating every sphere of society. The gospel is not meant to be preached inside the church. It's meant to be preached outside. The power of God must be put on display out in every sphere of society. We want to see people, all of us, rising up in the power of God, going out and throughout the week, seeing the glory of God manifested through our lives. That's what we're journeying into. Amen. We're not here to gather around one or two individuals who reached a certain high point. We want to take hundreds of people, thousands of people up to that, live at a higher level in God. But the glory of God is released through each one of us, every one of us. So that wherever we go, whatever sphere of society we may be engaged in, whether it's education, a government, or entertainment, or media, or a business, or our sport, whatever sphere of influence you're involved in, the glory of God will be manifested because you are there. Amen? We want to see the invisible. We want to make it happen. But we have to be foolish enough to step out and do things for God. Amen? Go do what God's calling you to do. What's God calling you to do? What's he stirring in your heart? Go do it. Step out on it. Now, recently, uh, I haven't worked out all the details yet, but just, just to give you a heads up here. We have a church plant in Mangalore, 
started quite some time back and we struggled with that you know, there was a high point in the life of that congregation when there were about 45 people gathering but then you know we've done so many different things we've tried to, we had a full time pastor we used to send teams from here some of you have gone and ministered there and uh, and all of that happened but uh things came down in the last two years it's been a steady decline we just i think maybe about 10 to 15 students gathering at APC in Mangalore it's actually outside Mangalore in uh, on the way to Darlakatta about 12 kilometers outside of Mangalore and uh, the family there that's heading up the, the work right now they are planning to leave Mangalore so they sent us an email saying look you know we're going planning to leave by December and you need to decide what to do and so i was not ready to give up because Mangalore is such an important place it's an education base where students come from many different parts of our nation to study it's a great harvest field yes it may be one of the most difficult places because that entire town is dedicated to a goddess that's how it gets its name mangalore i forget the name of the goddess mangal mangal something i don't know what it is but that whole town is dedicated to that goddess and that's why it's called mangalore so it's on a spiritual side it's a very challenging place but yet it's a great harvest field amen so i wrote back to them i said okay there's an afternoon flight that goes from bangalore to mangalore every afternoon we're going to move the service back into the city of mangalore and i'll come there every sunday from 4 to 6 and we'll do the services So we'll do two services in Bangalore. Thank God for SpiceJet. <laughs> Go to Bangalore and do that service. And then I said, I'm going to bring our young people there. We're going to do elevates in those colleges in Bangalore. So they can go ahead of time. They can go on Friday, Saturday. Go do elevates. Go do the youth service in Bangalore. I'll come on Sunday afternoon. We'll have a Sunday service there. We're not going to give up on that city. Amen. Now I know first reaction was man this guy is crazy. I mean like this pastor is off his rocker you know. But listen you got to be a little foolish if you want to take the cities for God. Amen. And I was saying look if we can repro- if we can do this in Mangalore then we have a model that we can reproduce across every city in our nation. Our goal is to raise up young the people in that city establish a strong committee and then at a point let them run it on their own and have people that run it on their own we're going to do it amen we got to be foolish enough to attempt these kinds of things and there are greater foolish things i want to talk to you about it now <laughs> you might take me to new hands <laughs> so let's stand to our feet stay hungry stay foolish stay hungry for more of god be foolish enough to step out and do the things God is setting before you stay hungry stay foolish be a trailblazer be a barrier breaker be a trend setter be a mover and a shaker for the kingdom of God we can do it in our day in our generation as you stand here as we get ready to close i want you to pray this between you and God and say God make me more hungry for you Give me the courage and the faith to be foolish enough to step out and do what you're calling me to do.
Never mind the challenges, never mind the setbacks, never mind the detours, never mind the disappointments, never mind the difficulties. I want to be a trailblazer. I want to be a barrier breaker. I want to be a mover and a shaker for the kingdom. I might get a few knocks, but I will never get knocked down. Because God will lift me up. Paul put it like this, we are pressed down. We're knocked down. We're not knocked out. We face challenges. We face discouragements. But it's not the end. I'll stay hungry for God. And as I pursue Him, He will come to me like the rain. He will refresh me. He will renew me. He will empower me to do great exploits for His kingdom. Lord, we want to be hungry for You, God. Father, we just pray right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you will make us a people who are hungry for God. That God, our passion will be to seek you, God. Make us hungry for more and more and more and more and more of you. Make us hungry for you. Make us a people, God, who are foolish enough to see the invisible, to attempt the impossible. To have that kind of faith and confidence when we have heard from God to step out on it. Make us such a people. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you right now. We just welcome you right now. Stir up our hearts, oh God. Stir our hearts up. Stir our hearts up, Lord God. Inspire dreams and visions and Raise up, Lord, men and women who will be movers and shakers for the kingdom of God. Stir our hearts up. Stir our hearts up today. Thank you, God. Father, this morning we just pray that you will re-fire, oh God. Kindle afresh that passion for you, that hunger for you in every heart. In each of our lives. Make us willing, God, to enter into that closet to seek you, to cry out for more of you, to hunger for more of that word that comes from your heart, for more of your presence, God. Make us a people who are hungry for you and who will do anything to pursue you, O oh God. Lord, make us a people who are foolish enough to attempt for you're speaking into our hearts. To step out and do what you're saying we ought to be doing, God. Be glorified, Father, we pray in each of our lives. Be glorified through each of our lives. We just thank you, God. Before we close, I just want to give an invitation to anybody here this morning. You've never received Jesus Christ into your life. Maybe you've attended church a long time, but you've never made a decision. And you, to give your heart to Jesus, let him be the king, the Lord of your life. To be the one who forgives your sins and, and makes you a child of God. I want to pray a short prayer with you. Help you make that decision this morning. Could we just take a moment just to pray? If there's anyone here, you're not sure you're saved. You're not sure you're born again. You're not sure that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. You've never done that before or maybe 
you may have once walked with the lord but then since then just gone astray and gone your own way and this morning you hear and you want in your heart to get back to the lord and have him be the lord and master of your life once again i want you to pray this simple prayer with me right now if you've never done this before if you want to do it again just pray this with me lord jesus i welcome you as the king of my life as the lord and my master take full control forgive all my sins and cause me to live a holy life for you help me to follow you for the rest of my life and i ask this in jesus name amen let's close in prayer father we just thank you for this morning and i just declare your word upon your people as we call them to arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the lord has risen upon you though darkness cover the earth and deep darkness the people yet the lord shall arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you in jesus name amen amen god bless you all we trust that this message was a blessing to you we'd love to hear from you email us at contact@apcwo.org also visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources thank you for listening and god bless you